0: at network radio. This week's guest is Dr. Kevin Emery. Uh, welcome to the show, Dr.
1: Kevin. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be back, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, fantastic. I mean, the other show we did um, uh, not too long ago on the Atlantis stuff was uh, really, really interesting, and um, I know that quite a large number of our, our listeners really enjoyed that show. Um, I think it'd be fantastic this time around to um, talk about Wei Chi and um, the stuff, because I know that you, you brought through some wonderful uh, stuff about Reiki um, that hadn't been brought through before by um, other people practicing that. So yeah, if you could just go into that.
1: Oh, I'd love to. And in fact, the timing uh, is, uh, couldn't be better. I actually just finished one of the three-day intensive weekends training some of my new students on the practitioner level because when you are learning how to be a Chi practitioner, it's about a thousand hours of training which right there tells you how different it is from what we think of as Reiki. Um, Wei Chi first came through me in 1995. Um, and I have, I'm going to step back a little bit because how he ended up coming through me is a story in of itself. Um, I had already had a full-time spiritual coaching and counseling practice, I did a form of laying on of hands, so to speak, healing. I'd been doing healing work since I was 17, 18 years old uh, and kind of had come across this thing they called Reiki um, in my practice. And I'd come across it by having people who had come to me to, to work with me as a spiritual coaching counselor. And what had happened is that you know the people that had come to work with me were you know struggling obviously uh, in some part of their life or were looking to be more empowered or whatever and but it had been my first introduction so to speak to the idea of reiki and the concept of reiki and we're talking back in 94 now 1994 and so when i got the first intuitive message that i needed to go find a reiki master and study it i i kind of laughed I was, I was like, no, no, you don't really want me to do this, do you? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying there's not something I couldn't learn, but you know, my plate's really full, and I and I don't understand and why I would, you know, like slow down out there, my own teaching and my own healing work, to, you know, learn this reiki. Well, the message didn't go away. I kept on getting the message, and I was like, oh, you know. And so finally. I did what I call, you know, I made a deal with God. And I don't know if you've ever done that, Ian, or not.
0: Absolutely, I have, yes.
1: And I always say that the thing with the deal of uh, making a deal with God is, whether you win or you lose, you win. But somewhere along the way, you always feel like you lost. Mm. <laughs> Just a little bit. It's like, he got his way, she got her way anyways. <laughs> but I... Uh, so I had sat down and I was like, okay, I, I just have one question to ask before I made the deal. I was like, do I have to become completely dysfunctional in order to be a Reiki master? Because my experience was that everybody that did Reiki that I knew, and again, most of this was out of my practice, would come in when they would talk about the struggles in their life, you know, uh, you know, issues with, you know, being in um, dominated relationships or being abused or being lost or whatever in the world. And these were people that, you know, were really struggling with being disenfranchised and things like that until they would mention this Reiki thing. And then they'd say, I am a Reiki master. And it's like this whole new person would emerge. And I'd say to them, well, like, can you be that all the time? Because that's great, but you know, it feels like you step in and you teach a class or you do a session and then you go back to your world. Like there's no connection here. Like it doesn't change how you move through the world. And they all had dysfunctional lives. So I was like, God, do I have to get a dysfunctional life to become a Reiki master? Is it, is a prerequisite? <laughs> <laughs> and so, anyways, the deal that I made because by that point I was on the road full time. I had already. I'd gotten a message to close down my full-time healing practice and to travel on the road, which I ended up doing for two and a half years. Is that that 1994? Yeah, 1994. So you heard a voice to
0: say, sell everything and go on the road.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And let me tell you, I was less than pleased with the message. Mm. But I was a good boy. I did it and I and spent two and a half years having absolute faith that everything I needed was going to be taken care of, which it was. So when I was, got the message to study the Reiki, I was on the road traveling, and I said, okay, well, these are the three requirements. It has to be somewhere that I meet somebody where I go back to on a regular basis because, you know, Reiki has levels, and I was going to have to participate in all the different levels and then become a Reiki master teacher because that was my message. I was supposed to become a Reiki master teacher, and, you know, and the other thing, and then the next thing was, and because, you know, I'm I'm on the road and cash flow is always up and down, I wanted, you know, this is what I'm willing to pay for it. And I named a figure and I said, and I want somebody who can recognize and acknowledge that I'm already doing hands-on healing and isn't going to kind of come in with the attitude of, well, I'll show you how to do it right now. I said, because I'd slap them. mm <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could be, you know, I'm like, you know, I can have somebody show, say, I'm going to show you something that will expand you, but I don't want anyone telling me. And there was just this little bit of arrogance I was picking up in the Reiki community when I was dancing around with it. So I was like, okay, so these are my three requirements. I made the agreement on a Wednesday. On a Friday, I was speaking at a conference in Asheville, North Carolina. I sat down in a wingback chair, was sipping a brandy in front of a fireplace. This woman sat down. And she started talking to me. And before the end of the evening, she was somebody who lived on a, lived at a place where I normally went through and had a place I could stay when I came through and would find me business and let me stay with her so that I would come there, she'd put together business, and she'd give me a private Reiki training. Wow. And she said, I usually charge this much. But for some reason, I, get, I should only charge you that much was the exact figure that I had told God that I was willing to pay. And, she goes, and it's clear to me that you're already running the Reiki energy. You just don't have the right, you know, tools, skills. You don't have another you know, thought skills. You don't have the right words for it. And there are some things. So you know, there's going to be some things that I'm going to say. Well, you do this, but in Reiki it would be that and stuff like this. Okay. So I went and became a Reiki master, kicking and screaming the whole way. But <laughs> I went and did it. Yeah. So when, so that was kind of what got me into the Reiki. And when I got the Reiki mastership. The day that I got my Reiki mastership, final attunement and all of that stuff, and I was officially a Reiki master. Um, I went back to the place I was staying. I got into a big closet foot tub to sit there and just soak. One of my favorite activities. Find me a tub of hot water anywhere, and I'm there. Uh, <laughs> and I've done some of my best yeah. work there, Ian. Well, I've I'll, done wonderful...
0: water's got amazing quality for inspiration I know so many people that just have insight when they're around water or in
1: water it is, it's true and of course I'm a cancer, so I'm a water sign Hmm. but you know I've done some of my best work in hot tubs in mineral springs um, you know uh, in in the bathtub of course it's kind of hard to explain to your client why you want to be in the bathtub when you're working with them but anyways, that's another story (laughs) Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, so that night, and I had already been doing transgendering for a couple of years. Um, I had trans-channeled the Native American Council of Grandmothers. I had transgendered Ezekiel. Um, I'm trying to remember now. I hadn't done Key yet, but I might have done Simon Peter, St. Peter from the New Testament. Sometimes it gets as the the longer the line goes on, you know, the more I have to stop and think when which which channel showed up at what time. But Wei Chi came through in December of 1995, and said to me basically that I was ready now. And in the book, The Lost Steps of Reiki, which the book itself is the actual. Uh, channeling that went on between December and March where he shared through me what Reiki looked like back in his day. Um, you know, we, and we have, with like, you know, my partner at the time kept all the tapes and always taped me and everything that came out so that we could make sure we got it all right and transcribed it. But when Wei Chi, First came through me, he was actually a little irritated, and he was kind of like my partner told me afterwards. Because as I felt myself going down for the count and I knew I was going into trans channel, I was hollering for my partner to come. Among other things, I was afraid of drowning in the tub. Uh, <laughs> You're <seizing> the tub. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, the so So um, I yelled at him I'm like, I'm going into channel, come quick. <laughs> And he came running in. Um, I don't know if he had the tape recorder at that point. I think we had started traveling with the tape recorder all the time because I was channeling. I mean, I literally have hundreds and hundreds of hours of channeling Ian from all the different entities I've channeled. Um, and so he came through. But actually, one of Wichi's first things was, you know, it's about time. <laughs> you took long enough. He's like, I couldn't come through you until you had been, until you became attuned as a Reiki master. Right. Because... I wouldn't understand what he was trying to tell me if I hadn't studied it.
0: Okay, makes sense.
1: So he came through and he defined what we call Reiki as the process of empowering one to heal themselves. And that in his day... Reiki was done as part of a process and that in that process the practitioner and the client took a journey together. They took together a journey of healing and empowerment and that it was a very interactive process and that he was bringing that information back into the world now. Okay. So
0: so does that mean the practitioner and the client need to have knowledge of Reiki for, in order for it to work?
1: No, no, um, and it's so interesting because one of the ways I do the practitioner there there's an apprentice level where you know it's like four days and you kind of learn enough of the basics, and the practitioner is the big level training. The practitioner is trained to walk the client through the process in such a way that by the end of the treatment series, and it's done as a treatment series, that the client is becoming more self-aware. I always say to my students, you know you're doing a good job when the client will come in on the fourth or fifth treatment and be giving themselves their own homework, be giving themselves... Their own, um, you know, will be saying, you know, and since I met you last, this happened, and I realized that it had to do with this, I realized it had to do with that, da 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 da. And, um, you know, and so, and you see them start to move in the world differently.
0: Yeah. Is it kind of like this? Because I've always believed that we really heal ourselves, don't we? We, don't, we shouldn't have to have somebody else heal, heal us for us, but we, we, most people need that to get the process going because they believe in someone else healing them more than, than they can heal themselves. So you're saying with this therapy, it's kind of empowering them to make them realize that they have the ability to heal themselves rather than... Ab- do you
1: know damn. what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that happens here is as, as there is a combination, and Wei Qi was originally done uh, as seven two-hour treatments that were done over moon cycles. So it followed the phases of the moon, and there were seven two-hour, seven two-hour sessions which of course you know today i mean do you have you ever had a reiki treatment do you do reiki in at all
0: um i don't practice reiki but i have had a reiki treatment um but i I do a lot of sort of positive uh thinking in order to try and heal myself and keep myself well um i'm not saying that i'm above it or anything like that just i've never really had the time to go there although i would love to um give it a go and you know do it you know give it a go properly
1: well, you know, and the thing is is that in, in a traditional Yusui treatment, as it was kind of brought down um from Yusui through Takata and and uh brought into this country and went into your country, you do the treatment and it's completely quiet and it's and it's the channeling of the energy and the client has some kind of awakening or a epiph- you know they receive the energy but they but they're just laying there passively taking it in it's not an interactive process no and there's really quote unquote no goal besides the channeling of the energy that the channeling of the energy is you know the goal and that the energy will go where it's needed and it will help the client with you know maybe release some physical pain or issue they have in their body and it may help them have some kind of emotional release. Um, now, I've always said it has to be an emotional release that you've already done the work to have. You don't suddenly have an emotional release for something that you've never looked at or don't understand. Um, and so with that, you know, the person lays on the table, the practitioner does what they do, and then the person gets up and they leave, and they may feel a little more relaxed, they may feel better. And I know that people have had some remarkable shifts if physically just by doing Yusui raking, I'm not trying to minimize it, but the client is not taking any kind of responsibility into their life. They're not taking any kind of ownership. And they're certainly not gathering any kind of insight or skill set or tool or anything like that that would help them function um, to be more self-healing, to be more self-aware. And, you know, and that's the key. And that's why Wei Chi called it the process of empowering one to heal themselves because we really want them to be self-healing. And you said, you asked an interesting, or you made a statement about you feel like all healing is self-healing. And I would both, I agree the healing cannot be done unless the client participates and the client might be part, uh, needs to be part of the process. But I also think it is of the human nature that we don't always, we aren't always capable of seeing exactly what needs to be healed. What a good healer does is it helps you illuminate. It gives you insight. A good healer works with you as you participate in your own healing. Yep. Um, but well, I guess you, most- you,
0: the healer can be more objective, can't they? They can step back where the, the, the person who needs to be healed might be emotionally uh, fragile in some way.
1: Well, and is emotionally connected to the issues. Can't yeah. maybe not see it. Doesn't know what's going on. And um, I'm not saying that it's impossible to get self awareness all on your own. But I actually don't think that that's how we were created to do it. Because in the process, in in, a, in any kind of process where you and somebody else come together and do something, there's growth and there's healing and there's a, an awareness. You know, kind of the old, you know, no man is an island type of thing. Yeah. So, anyway, so Wei Chi came through me. Uh, He got everything out in a relatively short period of time that brought him to kind of say, this is it, this is the first part of it. And that book got put out as The Lost Steps of Reiki, and it came out... In April of 96, I believe, because the last channeling, no, May 15th of 1996 was the last channeling. So it must have come out shortly after that, because I know that it was ready to come out. Oh, 1997. So it's been out 12 years.
0: So once Wei Chi had finished giving you what you need to know, he he basically left.
1: No, no, that's okay. only the tip of the iceberg. Okay. <laughs> what happened was Wei Chi gave us the initial information to take out to the world, and right now I'm actually working on a sequel to the Wei Chi book, <coughs> which is about the journey that we took. After Wei Chi gave us this journey, after he gave us the information, which is traveled around the country speaking at Reiki groups about this lost depths of Reiki information. Um,
0: so, would you do that? Which, you channel Wei Chi to the group.
1: Well, I had channeled Wei Chi. I mean, sometimes I would channel Wei Chi to the group, and sometimes it would just simply be that I would that we would just teach the class. I mean, it's like we took all the information, we put it in a teachable format, we did a two-and-a-half-hour class called The Lost-Ups of Reiki, and we would give people the basic, like, what is the difference between you, Reiki? How does this look different? Who is Wei Chi? Wei Chi lived 5,000 years ago in Tibet. He was a Tibetan shaman. Um, and, you know and he's come back to the Earth planet at this time, and so we would give them an overview in a class format because it would be very... Well, first of all, it would be very inconsistent to have Wei Qi channel through me every time we wanted to teach the class, and it would be very exhausting. You know, so we took the material. Now, at the same time, Wei Chi was still channeling through me saying, as you're getting this information out, he was going to start the process of <laughs> through me and with me creating the Wei Chi Tibetan Reiki healing system. Because it's one thing to channel what something looked like in a you know in a basic, sketchy outline. And it's another thing to to create something that you can replicate, teach, that you can get out there, that you can offer certificates in. Sure. So the uh so we anyways so i started going around with with that information getting the other information from wei chi about how to do a very simple level training for people who had studied reiki to experience the energy of the wei chi not do everything as it was outlined not all of that stuff but to simply um, get a Wei Chi attunement, touch the energy of Wei Chi um, in the Wei Chi Tibetan Reiki. Part of the process is intuitive messages, so how to give Wei Chi intuitive messages, how to dialogue with the client. And so we created a transitional training, which I took all over the place. I've you know, I've taken that the the small training, all the way to the United States, Canada, Mexico. I've taken it over to Europe. I've taught it a few times in England. I've taught it in France and Switzerland. Uh, you know, so it's been all over because it was a very easy that just gave people a chance to work somewhat with that wei chi energy. And again, once it was really well seated, then we're moving now till to, to about 2001 and it's time we have people interested to really get down to the nuts and bolts of teaching a practitioner-level training where you really walk the, the, the practitioner through how to do seven two-hour treatments with a client and what are the goals. I mean, like, what are all the skill sets? What are all the things? And in Wei Chi's day... He talked about that people that were coming in to study healing, and he was one of the precursors that ended up creating what we came to know as the early Tibetan monasteries. Yeah. Um, he, um, you know, they would come and they would spend five to seven years living there, Ian. Yeah, dedicated. <laughs> five to seven years. Hmm. You, you, you know, it, it was like going away to college sure i mean what,
0: I mean what kind of life did um, Wei Chi live I mean in that time five thousand years ago, were they very different to us? did they live longer i mean what was What was it like for them
1: yeah, very good question Wei Chi absolutely lived lived longer Wei Chi lived about a thousand years
0: okay. I mean, I've heard that, and you know, I've heard those, those things happen. You know, the body doesn't, it doesn't it's not meant to die, you know, the, the, the age that we die. It's like as we fell into this kind of density, the lifespan got shorter. That's what I've been led to believe anyway.
1: Absolutely. Wei Chi lived about a thousand years, and the only reason that Wei Qi died, or what we would call died, is that now Wei Qi, that which we might call God or Goddess Wei Qi, calls master, master's energy. And that's just the term that he uses. And um, after about a thousand years, Master came and uh, told Wei Chi that he needed him um, in another form to bring spirituality to India. And Wei Chi said, and so he walked over the horizon and he was reborn in a high caste system in India where he continued Master's work as who we don't know doing what we don't know. He never talks about, he never talked about that. Um, in fact, he kind of deflects questions if somebody asks him, um, you know, he speaks to us as the person we know as Wei Chi, um, and doesn't, you know, doesn't come from that other place. Only, only, once through all the years that I've channeled Wei Chi and I still channel Wei Chi because now the Wei Chi Tibetan Reiki has the apprentice level, it has the practitioner level, it also has a medical intuitive level, it has a coaching counselor level. Um, you know, people are learning how to teach it at different levels. And but because it's such a long um intense, involved process, you know, it's it, it is something that, um, you know, it's not it's not we we don't draw the people into wei chi who are looking for another certificate to put up on their wall. I don't know if you've met the the kind of people I'm talking about, but they just want to have fifty certificates on the wall that they've been trained on everything in the world. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so
0: basically, the, the intention has to be there for the right reasons to empower and carry on the practice of empowering yeah, others. I,
1: I mean, I'm working with, you know, I'm working with these four women right now because the practitioner-level training, I never do more than four people because it's so intense because you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with people's lives when you do a practitioner, when you do a, a Weichi Tibetan Reiki treatment series, and you can, my, my students will learn how to do a seven treatment and a, before they're done, and a five treatment, and a three treatment, and a single treatment that do different things. But in order to sit there and take the journey, you are, you are dealing with every level of the client's life. You know, you are asking them to trust you, to go to places of pain, to go to places of woundedness, to go to you know, be be willing to be honest and self aware. Yep. You're delivering, you know, you're you're giving the client homework. You're giving them intuitive messages. You're taking them on a journey. Yeah. And, you know, that that takes time.
0: Yeah. But you, I mean, when you say, you know. Are you saying oh, you have to relive a pain? Is it how, how does that work when you say the journey? What would be an example of that, for instance? How well, would you, you go know, through the, the process?
1: Well, and the journey is different for every person, obviously. Um, but oftentimes, <coughs> we will... What we will do is we will minimize or we will somehow shift something or uh, some reality or some perspective in our life to be something that we can deal with. So we had a very painful event in our childhood. Um, We understand that or we don't even understand it's painful. I've had clients sit across me and as I'm talking to them, they'll mention something and I'll be like, that must have, you know, that that must have been painful. Well, I suppose, but you know, you know, I really understand and da, 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 and you know, they couldn't help it if they were an alcoholic or they couldn't help it if they were, you know, a rage, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. So oftentimes, I mean, and everybody, again, everybody's journey is different, but Sometimes we have to go in for the pain you never allowed yourself to feel that is like a festering wound underneath the surface. Mm. It is
0: the buried stuff. is the most dangerous, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we have to bring it out, which means we have to be willing to rewrite our view of our past. We have to acknowledge that we put some things in to survive. You know, for the most part, humans are very, very good at doing what it takes to survive. They bounce back, and they will write whatever version of history they need to in order to live with it. And it's so funny, because I will say this all the time when I have somebody who will come in, and I'm doing work with them, and as they're starting to delve into things with their childhood or they're having some realization or whatever or they're even talking about it and they're coming to some kind of peace and sometimes we know that it was painful but we never let ourselves really feel the pain or we never let ourselves feel the anger or we, you know there's some part of the process that didn't get finished and the goal isn't to relive the whole thing it's to find out what didn't get finished that it is still there um, But, you know, I'll have people come and say to me, you know, like, I'll go talk to, you know, like, they'll be like, I talked to my mother, and she wants to present it like we had the picture-perfect childhood, and nothing ever went wrong, and everything was, you know, hearts and flowers and roses and daisies, and we had an awful childhood, and da-da-da-da-da-da, and I'm like, she rewrote history. She rewrote history so she could live with it. Because if she looked honestly at the history she actually lived, it would be out of integrity for who she was. Mm. She can't look back and realize that she was. She stood by and watched as her children were getting beaten or sexually abused or, or physically abused or whatever. So she has to rewrite the history and somehow make herself blameless. Yeah. And so we, all, we will all rewrite history sometimes if it is out of sync with the integrity of who we think we are. Now, in saying that, the more you become self-aware and the more that you can look and say, God, yeah, I did that. Boy, would I do that now? No. But I didn't know then what I knew now, and I'm not making excuses. You can own it, and you can say, I was a real shithead that and that's an okay thing to say and to even feel bad that you were a real shithead but you want to understand why you were and take your responsibility and did you do your stuff to move beyond it to you know to make amends to do whatever was involved so when we talk about helping a client through their process each process is different <coughs> but oftentimes it's helping them, you know, because in the way to Tibetan Reiki, the first thing we do is we help them set a goal they'd like to achieve in their life. Where would you like to go? Where would you like to be where you, that you aren't now? And sometimes that's, they want to be in better health or they'd like to be in better mental health or they, you know, whatever, whatever their goal is. We help them establish a goal and then we work to help see what are the things that are in, in the way of achieving that goal. And so that, you know, so that's what I mean when we say we go through the process with them, but oftentimes I have done the comparison of, you know, your Yusui Reiki is um, relaxation Reiki. It's passive. The clients will get stuff out of it. It can be extremely powerful for what it is and yeah. the way, you know, and the way Chi Reiki is therapeutic, because it's making clients take responsibility, have realizations participate in their own healing. And they literally do have to participate in their own healing.
0: So there's a lot of interaction going on between um, the practitioner and the client. So similar, oh, yeah. So similar in a way to how you, um, you would hit the therapist's work or someone doing um, EFT or, or, or something like that where there's a lot of interaction trying to get to the, the root of the problem you know, finding out what the emotional issues are, then using the energy then to sort of bring it to the fore. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And it's using the energy, um, but it's not, but not just the energy. I mean, uh, you use the energy, but you're also, all of my students are taught techniques and tools and skills to help be facilitating healing from a number of different perspectives in a number of different places. So, um, uh, you know, we we are obviously always using it is a re, it is a form of reiki, um, and so there's always energy work being done. But there's also the dialogue, the homework, the interaction, all of the other things that are being done um, to help the client again have greater understanding, have greater ownership, take greater responsibility for their part in things, um, to give them back the power to take back their life.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's, it seems that we're going through an important time, isn't it, where people need to sort of peel back the layers and find out who they are, you know, the, the, the person inside, and drop anything that's um, that's not, you know, like, to have transparency but also to drop things that don't serve us and also to have this whole integrity thing, isn't it? Cause it seems that if if you don't, it's going to have more issues. There's some philosophies that seem to say that if we don't drop these kind of false egos or issues we've got, then we're going to have greater problems as we sort of move ahead through this awakening process that is happening now on on the earth. So It seems a lot of these therapies that are coming forward are really instrumental in helping people uh, progress.
1: Well, and I would say that part of it is... That we are doing things coming together much more intensely um, with a lot more accountability right now than uh, before. You know, it's almost as if before we were allowed to slide. It was about us gathering. We gathered experiences, gathered experiences, gathered experiences, and would go to places where... We would, you know, just go from lifetime to lifetime, learning stuff and growing, but we were doing a lot of gathering. And now we're doing a lot of sorting, a lot of application, a lot of integration. And I would say even that I don't know that we, that the human consciousness can move forward until this is done. You know, and I'll tell you, I had a very mixed response when I first went out with the Wei Chi. Um, It wasn't all hearts and flowers. I had people out there that definitely said, oh, I've always felt like Reiki was missing something. This makes so much more sense. And, you know, when you think about it from an intellectual standpoint, that which we got as Yusui Reiki isn't very Eastern at all. Because an Eastern modality is all about causes and not symptoms, Well, if your Reiki practitioner goes and says, Is there anything I need to know? Well, my shoulder hurts and I've been having some headaches lately. Great. And they throw you on the table. What are they treating? They're treating symptoms. They're not treating causes because they didn't do anything to get to the causes. Um, And so there's a lot of ways when you pick pick, pick at the Yusui Reiki and kind of look at it, you can see where it was a very westernized version where things were changed. But yet, still called an Eastern healing system, and that was just an example of one of them. Um, you know, so we, at this point, however, are looking at people stepping up and really having to do the painful part of the journey, and it's driven me crazy for years. And you know, and I've I've been around for a long time. Because there was this whole thing that the New Age spiritual community went through for a while, where, oh, all you have to do is say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, and do a little ballet pirouette, and throw some fairy dust, and life is good, and it's all over. I'm like, what a load of crap.
0: That's how you're going to work if you really feel it, and you really, do you know what I mean? You're having integrity with that, haven't you? You've got to forgive heartfelt not just say I oh, forgive and, and, and it's all done. Do you see what I mean? It's a very easy word to put out there, but there's a lot of work that has to go into it.
1: Absolutely, and the, yeah, that's just it. There's a lot of work that has to go into it, and we really got stuck in the spiritual New Age community for a few years. Of oh, you know, you it, you, you just really boom, you know, you just you basically just say the words, and you and and the work is done. So. When I went out on the road with the Wei Chi, I had some people that said, this is great, this is wonderful, this is what people, um, you know, what I've been looking for, and they take the class, and they would, you know, bring together, they would, you know, take some of the Wei Chi stuff and start to use it in practice. Now, on the other hand, there were those people that thought I was the Antichrist, I always remember one woman in Atlanta, Georgia, when I went in and said that, that she, was, uh, she had a big, beautiful, beautiful, huge metaphysical store, and said I wanted to come in and do book signings, you know, which you carry the book, and I'd like to do book signings, and I'd like to teach a class there. That ran me out, that literally was screaming so loud that people in the store stopped and looked at her that, you know, that I was ruining Reiki that I was ruining Reiki, and that I had no idea what I was doing, and that this was awful, and that, um, you know, basically threw me out of her store. And I'm trying to remember what because this was just a several years back when I first went out. But uh, basically, that it was people like me that toxified the whole system. And, you know... I, of course, I always love the part of the story that six months later when I was back in Atlanta to do work that when I drove by the store, it was closed because it had gone out of business. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I didn't always get a warm reception. I definitely had people that, you know, had problems with some of the basic Wei Chi principles, you know, like, <laughs> I always find this one very amusing. In Wei Chi, you're not allowed to do the Wei Qi on anyone unless they give you permission, verbal permission. They have to tell you, yes, I want it, yeah. you know, unless they're incapable, If they're in a coma or they're too young to be verbal or they don't have the mental capacity to be able to know what they're saying, then that's one thing. And, of course, everybody was horrified with me because it was like, well, you could just ask their higher self. And Wei Qi was really clear. Their higher self knows they need the help. Their lower self is the one that has to participate,
0: Oh, I, well, see. That okay. was awful.
1: yeah, yeah, people thought that was awful. I want to be able to go over and Reiki the whole world, whether they want it or not, and I'm like, isn't that a little intrusive? Isn't it a little intrusive to be you know over here <coughs> for eight years? every practicing Reiki group was sending Reiki to George Bush. And I kept on trying to tell him that what was happening is the Reiki bounced off George Bush because he wasn't interested in it. He didn't agree to it. It wasn't part of his belief system. Um, and that probably it bounced off to the plan, plants in the White House. And that probably the White House had the best plants for eight years that it ever had in its whole history. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't getting any of the energy. So there's a lot, of, there's, a lot there's some fundamental differences as well. Um, about participation and about connection, um, about clients literally having to accept responsibility, like they're actually conversations you have with the client. Are you willing to participate in your own healing? You know, things which are mandatory in the Wei Qi that you don't even see exist in other other of the Reikis.
0: Hmm. So how would you deal with um, patients that couldn't verbally um, agree to it? You just simply wouldn't do it?
1: Well, it depends, on the ca- it depends on the case. If you're talking about a small child, then you would get permission from the guardian. That would be fine because the small child is unable to say it, and you would ask. Um, and you can do the higher self stuff hmm. if they can't say it, if they can't say it. If they don't have the ability someone's in a coma get into a very quiet space and and ask if this is appropriate and if you get a yes you go ahead and do it because they can't tell you yeah that's I mean, different
0: can it do any harm if they don't want it and or they don't want it and they're unable to verbalize it and then you carry on with it i mean can it actually do any harm or would their higher self just sort of step in and i don't know just not allow it to happen anyway
1: um I would say in that circumstances that we're not talking that Reiki in and of itself can do harm. There are times that where the act of doing Reiki can do harm, and this is one of the things we teach in Wei chi. that you'll hear most of the other Reiki systems scream that it's impossible to do harm while doing Reiki, and that's not true. You can do harm when you're doing Reiki, um, and but you have to be very aware of what's going on. But in that case, you know what I always say to my students? If there's any question in your mind, in the clarity of your answer, because the way she is an interactive process. So how interactive can someone be? Now, I have done work on somebody who was in a coma. I had a conversation with them a little over in the coma. We we went to a space where I actually talked to them, found out what was going on, and when they came out of the coma they remembered talking to me. Really? Oh yeah, Yeah. this woman, this woman came out of the coma and said to me. The next time she saw me, she goes, "I had this dream that I was talking to you, and we were talking about whether I wanted to stay or go." Hmm. I'm like, "Yeah, it was a dream," and she's like, "Nah, it really wasn't, was it?" And I'm like, "No, it really wasn't." And then she talked to me a little bit more and we kind of she kind of got her confirmation that you know that I had gone into her coma state and had a conversation with her about what it was about
0: yeah did she have any other memories from that state as well
1: no that was the only thing she remembered coming out of the coma the only thing she remembered coming out of the coma was talking to me yeah
0: <coughs> when, when, what was the i mean did the doctors have any hope for her coming out of the coma at all
1: um, it was one of those cases where um, they weren't sure whether she'd ever come out of the coma or not. Um, it was one of those, the, 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 the basic thought process at the time was um, that it was a situation mm-hmm. where they're doing everything they can, and people like this sometimes wake up and sometimes don't, and they just don't know. Mm. <laughs> but I don't think anyone was really expecting her to come out of the coma. That was kind of the the hope hope line. You know, sometimes people will come out of comas and it does happen, but sometimes they don't and we never know what you know what it was that made them come back.
0: Yeah. So when you went in and you spoke to her in the coma, did she say that she wanted to be helped and she wanted to wake up from that?
1: She was actually was wondering whether she wanted to come back and stay or not. Um basically the best way I can say it is I more or less did a, did, a, did a spiritual coaching and counseling session on her in the coma. <sighs>
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, why not?
1: You know, I kind of talked to her and talked to her about the, you know, you know what what it would be like if she came back, and what it would be like if she just moved on, and did she feel like her work was done? Was she going to be leaving without some soul contracts fulfilled? Was this how she was supposed to go? You know, it was a very interesting conversation. Obviously, a semi-private conversation, so I'm just, you know, kind of glossing yeah. over things. Yeah, <laughs> Besides so how, the fact that we're so you, talking, I mean, how, it was 20 years <laughs> ago.
0: So, I mean, how? I mean, now with the the way Reiki, how how far afield is it now? I mean, is there a lot of pras- practitioners now taking it further out and teaching other people? N-
1: um, no, actually, honestly, there's not. There is. I've, I've got a half a dozen people that do the apprentice level in England um, and Switzerland and France, and then I've got scattered people all over the country here. The Wei Chia seemed to go through a kind of rhythm um, where it was going very well for a while, and then there were some major changes, which probably partially were to do with some major changes in my life and some shifts where I had to withdraw my energy from it. And it's definitely back in a growth phase right now, which is really, you know, we're talking about, we're in the process of creating the Wei Chi School of Natural Healing and Metaphysical Enlightenment. Um, The four women I have now that's in the practitioner level um, all want to be teachers and all want to really open up um, remote schools. You know, they're kind of scattered throughout New England, and each one of them wants to start their own you know, uh, satellite campus, which I'll help them do. Uh, and at some point, I mean, our goal is to actually create a curriculum that wraps up the Wei Chi as part of uh, a degree program. Because if you look at it, and you would have put in other things, and of course I teach lots of things, just... As you know, just by looking at my books and my website, I, I have written enough syllabuses and curriculum to to teach a master's, all the way, a master's, if not up to a doctorate level of curriculum in, you know, metaphysical healing or whatever. I mean, it kind of this is all in the early stages, but I'm very excited because the Wei chi has definitely been rising in energy again. Mm. People are reaching out for it. I can tell that it kind of went through a stage that it needed to go through where it went through some internal revamping um, and things. And I can tell by the students that I've drawn in now that each of them are bringing a gift, their own personal gift, that will help better bring the Wei Chi back to the world. Um, so it's an interesting process. I'm kind of, I, I kind of watched it as it went through its own, uh, you know, where it, for a couple of years it went through its own coma.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what does Wei Chi say? I mean, does, does he come through and give you any advice on where he sees it going, or does he feel that he's happy where he sowed the seed and it will grow in its own time?
1: Wei Chi is a patient man. Wei Chi comes through me all the. T- I mean, I'm not saying he comes through me on a daily basis, but yeah. he's come through and talked to the students in every one of the weekends we've had, and we've had five, we've had five three-day weekends now, and we have two more three-day weekends left to go for the first part of their training at this level. Um, and he comes through and he speaks to them. He will come into my head and still talk to me. If I do an evening of trans channeling, he'll still show up um, and talk to people and answer questions and things like that. But Wei Qi is an infinitely patient man. He, you know, I can tell that he has, in his own way, been supporting this to come out at the perfect time. And I really think that we're now getting the, getting, getting the runway cleared so that's the way she can, can get the recognition it deserves. Not because we're so much interested in recognition, but this is this fabulously in-depth, intense, powerful healing system and I want more people around the world to have access to it and to be doing it yeah you know i want I want it out there and i've had invitations from I had more invitations for the from the Wei Chi stuff than anything else I mean I have been invited to croatia i 've been invited to russia i 've been invited to israel i've been invited to japan i 've been invited to China. The problem is is i 'll get this invitation. But they can't put together. They uh, so far they have been unable to put together um, in those like those places enough people to to make it make it viable, feasible for me to go. Yeah. You know the woman who in England brought me over uh, um, the first time, Olivia Stefanino, who is the author of a book called "Be Your Own Guru," uh, and uh, she. She teaches the pair process. She does a lot of enlightenment and empowerment work over there on your side of the pond. Um, it took Olivia about uh, almost from the first time she contacted me after she read the book, I think it took two years before she could set up my first tour into England. Really? Just, you know, getting the people, getting people to commit.
0: Yeah, that is difficult. I mean, even now, it's even more harder, obviously, because of the, the financial situation as well. And it, it seems that the Internet is kind of the only... It's a great tour at the moment to get stuff out there, but trying to get people together um, is
1: difficult at the moment. You know, well, and I've I've always found the New Age metaphysical community slightly commitment phobic. You know, and I say this from years of traveling all over the country and different parts of the world (laughs) that I'll say I'm going to go, I'll say I'm going to teach something, and 40 people have their hand up that they'll be there and 10 yeah. show up. And, you know, and part of it has to do with the prioritizing. The prioritizing of, you know, what's important in your life. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, should I take a spiritual class or should I eat this week? But not that level of prioritizing, but just where where is spirituality and, you know, and there's a lot of stuff out there. And frankly, a lot of people like to ch- take the easier the, the easier route and sooner or later, they'll come back if they're here to do serious healers, and they're going to realize I got to take a more serious route. I got to teach. I got to work with a serious teacher, not someone who's going to give me the whole the whole world in a ball in a day for a hundred bucks or a hundred pounds, you know. Um, I uh, <laughs> there's somebody over. There's somebody. Uh, and obviously, not mention any names, but there's somebody over here, and it always amuses me because I I keep on ending up with this man's students because he'll he's he's a great showman, and he'll sell this whole get anything you want in the world, be empowered, have everything you want, da 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 da, and it's you know a six week course and blah on a weekend and blah blah blah, and. Everybody leaves it disappointed, but everybody goes back because he's such a good showman. And sooner or later, they go, no, okay, I'm really ready to do serious work now. And they'll end up at my doorstep. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Because, you know, I'll be honest again. You know, I'm a great teacher. I'm a bastard. I, you know, I push my students, every one of them, just as hard as they can be pushed. And my students will tell you that. They'll say that, you know, they love me, but they know there's no passes. And I push them, I push them, I push them if they're not living up to their potential. And, you, you know, so when you come in, one of them said to me recently, they were like, I didn't realize that by taking a training on how to heal other people that I was going to have to do so much healing on myself in the process. <laughs>
0: Well, that's that's really you know fantastic, isn't it? Really, I mean, I haven't done any healing, but you know, since sort of walk, walk, walking the spiritual path, um, I've done a lot of work on myself, and um, and you do you do see a lot of things about yourself you don't like, and you have to change it, and it's just about accepting it and then dealing with it, and um, unless you go down that path, you don't really move forward, and I wouldn't say that I'm perfect now. I I, I still feel I've got things I need to work on as well. But I think even if you don't, if you want to be a healer, then you have to be—you have to have worked on yourself to a certain degree, don't you? Because almost like I look at you like um, a mirror. If that mirror's dirty, then what are you reflecting? And you're supposed to be helping other people, so you have to almost clean your own mirror before you can help other people. If that makes sense. Well,
1: so now, now this is the perfect setup, right? Because this is where you're going to say that. When you have me back on the show, we're going to be talking about my book, Combing the Mirror and Other Steps oh, really? in Your Spiritual Path. Oh,
0: wow. Fantastic. Synchronicity there.
1: <laughs> I was like, is this a setup or what? No, no, no. No, it just came out. Seriously.
0: Yeah.
1: Came out because it was supposed to.
0: Oh.
1: Um Let's see. Um, so, um, yeah. Well, and the one thing I would I would say is to people... Don't, don't deal from a place, however, that you can't stop help, start helping other people until you're completely healed or you're completely where you need to be because that's not true either. For every place you get to when you're really here to do healing in this lifetime, for every place that you get to, there is somebody who hasn't got to that place that could benefit from your help. And people will use, you know, and I kick, I kick my students out of the nest all the time to go out into the world and start their practice or start teaching or start doing something. I kick them out into the world by saying, hey, you know, you don't get to wait till you're perfect because then you're dead and it's too late. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, we, we learn some of our healing. We learn some of our self-awareness. You know, when you first commit to a life of healing, everybody that comes to you is a lesson. Every person that you're helping is there was sent to you so you could be helping yourself get better at what you're doing and healing yourself in the process.
0: Yeah. So we're <laughs> basically all teachers and students, aren't we, at the same time?
1: Absolutely. One of, my favorite, one of my favorite sayings is that, you know, the difference between the teacher and the student in the classroom is the student knows more or less what they've come in to learn. You know, it's a course on something, it's a class on something, there's a syllabus. The teacher, when they go into the classroom, never know what they're there to learn. No,
0: that's very true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a good teacher has to pay attention, has to be flexible, and has to let each class be a unique experience.
0: No, indeed. Um... Do you I mean, before because obviously we've got to wrap up soon because we've just gone onto the onto the hour. Um, is there? I mean, I know that you also do. Just to let people know, really, let our listeners know some of the stuff you do as well. You you run a website called WebOfLight dot com, and um, you also do your own podcast show as well. You actually do quite a few podcast shows, and you also do a monthly video as well, don't you? Where you give people a kind of a, an insight of what you, you feel the, the the coming month's going to bring i 've watched quite a few of those, and they 're quite quite interesting um, i mean what do you, what do you feel is, is coming for August? Have you had a, a sense yet of August? I know you 've done july
1: well and it 's so funny because i 'm going to be taping the message for August tomorrow so i've just been um, i've just been putting together my thoughts of what my message for August is going to be, and i 've decided that my message for August is going to be about fireflies okay and yeah, about fireflies and how we are, at t- we are at a time of great change. And people are making change and people are having the changes being made for them, whether they like it or not. And oftentimes, being, being in change is like being at twilight. The sun's going down on what you've known. You have the passage of night before you get to the next dawn and it feels good again. Where you're not exactly sure where it's going, you know And that during this, we often can get overwhelmed. We can often get spiraled out. We can often feel bad or, or be scared. Um, and what we have to remember is the fireflies. The fireflies are those little brilliant pieces of light that will show up in the twilight that will remind us about all the good things that happen with change: the excitement, the anticipation the relief um the you know the opportunities the chances to maybe uh re reestablish some old dream that you've forgotten and so even though change can be scary and standing at twilight um in your life as as far as meaning as a transition point can be scary but you got to look for the fireflies yeah yeah Wow. So yeah. that's that's my message for August. Um <coughs> in a nutshell. I've been writing up the article this afternoon. Okay. And uh I'll be taping it tomorrow. And uh that is weboflight.com and if people want, I do automatically send it right into their Email box once a month when it comes out. They can always go to the website and find it. But if you know we the life gets busy and if it isn't in front of us, sometimes we forget. So please come to the website, sign up for it, sign up for the, the monthly uh, e newsletter. Um, we'd love to have you. And we're doing we're doing three shows a week for the next six or eight weeks. We're cutting back slightly as we're doing some reforming. Um, but we'll still, every Monday, have planetary influences for the week. So to tell you what's going on and uh, what what, are the, what the planets are doing and how that will influence what we're doing. Okay. As well as a Wednesday show and a Friday show.
0: Okay. I mean, what I'll we'll do is if you... I'll, I'll sign up to your newsletter as well. And um, and then once you release it, I'll stick it up on our site as well so so people can watch the video on the site as
1: well. Great. Fabulous. Okay. We love you for it.
0: All right, fantastic. All right, thanks, Kevin. We'll do another show soon, and um, you've got so much stuff to talk about, we could do do this all year round. So, anyway, thanks for coming on on the show again, and we'll chat soon.
1: Okay, I look forward to it. Have a good night. You
0: too. Bye. Bye.